Welcome to The Hammer, where we hit the nail on the head with insights from the world of Canadian renovation and custom home contracting. Now here's your host, the editor of Canadian Contractor Magazine, Patrick Flannery. Hi everybody and welcome to The Hammer. This is Pat Flannery. Today I spoke with Casey Edge. He's the executive director of the Victoria Residential Builders Association. Casey has uh, lots of great things to say about lots of issues. He's uh, been a passionate advocate for the industry uh, in BC and really everywhere for a long time. He, uh, his Twitter feed is uh, definitely a, a good thing to follow. He's always posting uh, interesting tidbits of news uh, that are relevant to the contracting industry and construction generally. Today, uh, Casey and I got into uh, affordable housing uh, quite a bit, uh, as, as mostly in how regulations uh, affect the supply of uh, affordable housing and how uh, a lot of the approaches that governments have tried have not worked very well. Um, so we talked quite a bit about that. We got into a little bit of uh, climate change talk, talking about climate regulations and, uh, and what those effects are like. Uh, we talked a bit about BC market conditions and uh, what's driving uh, prices and supply out there. Uh, all in all, uh, a very good discussion with Casey, uh, who really uh, has lots of uh, pointed things to say about uh, the construction industry. Anyways, hope you enjoy my conversation with Casey Edge from the Victoria Residential Builders Association. All right, I'm here with Casey Edge from the Victoria Residential Builders Association. Casey, good to see you. Pleasure to be here, Patrick. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's terrific to get you on here. I know uh, I, I've I've seen a lot of your uh, writing and your work both uh, in the magazine and uh, and on Twitter and elsewhere, and uh, I know you've got lots to say. So we're looking forward to a, to an interesting conversation for sure. First of all, Casey, why don't you just tell us a bit, uh, I guess, about yourself and and what uh, you and the association are doing these days. Well, uh, I've been the executive director of the Victoria Residential Builders Association for about twenty years, so. Uh, I've seen a lot of, of, of what goes down in terms of some of the challenges that builders face. We have 13 municipalities here, so uh, in a region of 350,000 people. So uh, it's, uh, it's somewhat dysfunctional in terms of regional planning, regional uh, housing strategies, those kinds of things. And you have these multiple municipalities all coming up with their own uh, uh, ideas of, of, of how they want to uh, uh, accommodate housing. So uh, there's, there's never any shortage of issues. And um, uh, so we have challenges ranging from, uh, you know, uh, DC development cost charges, uh, permits. Uh, I think most builders will agree right across the country uh, how slow it is to get a, 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 a development application turned around and what the costs are associated with that, except for there's the odd municipality that, that uh, is more accommodating. Out here it's Langford. And then the older core municipalities like Victoria, Saanich, they tend to be the most challenging and the most costly. So do you view yourselves uh, mostly as an advocacy group? Uh, or education what's what's the primary mission in your view? well you know we are an association that embraces uh, education we provide um, monthly uh, builders council meetings where we deliver uh, an education uh, program for an hour which gives the builders uh, uh, continuing professional uh, development credits to keep uh, their uh, builders license 
yes, advocacy, advocacy is a very strong part of what we do. We run the CARE Awards, which is a, a big uh, marketing program for new housing. Um, so we do a lot of uh, different things. I would say that the advocacy part of it, though, is uh, very, uh, very strong with our association. Yeah, I get that sense that you guys are uh, you, 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 you're sort of channeling the viewpoints of the members uh, to the, the different places they should go. That's good. Not not just not just golf. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, not just golf. Not just. As an association, we tend to be we. Uh, Many years ago, we were involved in a lot of the event types of things. We've, we've moved a little bit away from that and, and try to provide as much value to the members as possible. One of the things we have is an expression of interest form that members of the public can fill out, send to us, and then we send to our builders and for renovations, new homes, or whatever. That's pretty popular. So we actually deliver uh, uh, projects to our members. Well, one thing our uh, one thing our readers and listeners probably uh, don't know is that I'm going to be trying to give some regular space in the magazine, and uh, we have the uh, the first of your missives has uh, has arrived here, and, uh, and I and I had a read, and I thought we might uh, talk a little bit about that, and it's uh, it's, it's excellent uh, read. You've done a you've done a lot of research, um, and I guess one of the one of the things. Uh, Basically, it's prepare for COVID-19 wave of taxes and fees, and you, you come at that in, in, in a different way. Um, but I, I thought one of the interesting things right off the top is you looked at a Fraser Institute study that says that, uh, you know, in the U.S., as the population grows, the housing becomes more affordable. And, uh, and in Canada, we see, uh, at least in most uh, municipalities, exactly the opposite trend. Tell us, Casey, why, why you think that is. Well, I think uh, more, most likely is that uh, in Canada, uh, you have three levels of government um, treating housing as a cash cow. Um, we didn't, 35 years ago, we didn't have uh, the GST on housing. Uh, we didn't have the land transfer taxes that we have now. Uh, municipalities have gravitated towards uh, generating revenue from um, housing as well. So the, the building permits are based on uh, the cost of construction, not on the cost of uh, inspections or doing uh, or processing the permit. Uh, so it, that's like a land transfer tax. When um, uh, the cost of housing goes up for whatever reason, uh, materials, labor, um, the uh, the cost of the building permits go up and that's created a, for instance, I know one municipality was generating million dollar surpluses off their building permits and subsidizing the rest of their administration, which should have been, uh, which should be paid for by general prop property taxes. So uh, that's the, the federal government introduced the GST um, uh, new housing rebate and, and promised to index that they never indexed it. So in, in, in higher cost regions like ours, it becomes virtually meaningless. Um, and, and then land transfer taxes, Toronto has a land transfer tax and the province has a land transfer tax. I mean, the, the, the layering of, of fees and costs uh, on housing uh, in the past 35, 40 years in, in this country has just become unbelievable. 
and it's and it's kind of impossible to attach um, th those sorts of fees, like like you say, to, uh, to anything additional costs that the municipality is trying to cover. When it's just a matter of the property value rising, and the fee goes up as a function of that. What, well, the fee, what, what the, the municipality? No, the fees don't go well, up. Well, not the fee, but the, the, yeah, some of these they, other things. The, the, yeah, the, these other things. Uh, so the, it's not attached to the land. It's attached to the cost of construction, the building permit fees. And that's, that's, a, common, um, that's a common theme across the country, and um, as opposed to it being associated with the actual cost of, of building permits or uh, inspections. And uh, it's something that uh, I did a little looking into this, and it, it, it'd be interesting to see what a court would say, uh, because there's a difference between a tax and a fee for service. And, and what they're charging, uh, they're, they're calling it a fee for service, uh, the building permit, when in fact it's really a tax. And, and you're not supposed to be charging, um, uh, tax principles are not supposed to apply to fee principles. Right. And uh, I frankly look at that and I think it, it shouldn't be charged like a land transfer tax. That's how land transfer taxes are, are charged. Not on, not on the cost of actually uh, um, doing the land title uh, by the province. It, it's based on the rising cost of, uh, of property. Right. right. And, and so they're generating, well, I think uh, the BC government generates uh, around $2 billion a year. From uh, Toronto, I believe, generates about $700 million a year um, from their uh, land transfer tax. So that is a tax when it's a, 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 attached to uh, rising values. And building permits should not be attached, uh, attached to, the fees should not be attached to the rising uh, value of construction. Yeah, because, uh, it, yeah, because I mean, and tell me if I get this wrong, but I mean, it, it seems to me the job of inspecting, I mean, okay, similar size building, right? If you have, if you have two buildings that are roughly the same, but one is worth way more because of, for instance, the area there. Um, costs the same to inspect one as the other, right? There's no more cost the municipality's taking on. There's not, yeah. There, so you know, you, right? You got a smaller home. You got you got a you've got a uh, a larger home. There needs to be. Uh, uh, they need they need to get out of the business of charging for, well, as I say, it all comes down to um, uh, treating housing as a cash cow. That's really the focus of this. Another example is how a developer will go to uh, a council uh, here and, um, and, and council will want green space, uh, allocate part of this to a park or whatever, you know, in consideration for rezoning for a subdivision or whatever it is. And then they'll charge development cost charges. And, and what goes into development cost charges? Well, uh, paying for park goes into development cost charges. So, so the developer is paying for uh, big fees for adding to the park space or green space, and at the same time, delivering a portion of the development for park space and green space. It's a double hit. Commonly, commonly owned, commonly used. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not part right. of the development. Right, right. 
or, or it may be part of the development. But, but regardless, um, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, the, uh, all of these costs end up on the cost of housing. So normally when politicians talk about the importance of housing affordability, it's all nonsense. It's, it's just, it's just a, the, housing is politics in this country. And um, it, it's a cash cow and it's politics. And, and I guess what we're in the business of doing is identifying some of these, these disingenuous remarks. Uh, and, and you illustrate that nicely in, in your column. Uh, uh, I mean, some of these numbers are, are, are eye-popping. So eye-popping, I, I have to admit, I, I, I couldn't believe they were, they were real. Um, you've got, uh, you talk about some of the additional cost on housing. Uh, that comes from zoning regulations and development charges. You're talking about $168,000 in a single-family home in Greater Toronto, and this one, $644,000 in Vancouver. That, like, you're telling me a single-family home in Vancouver could potentially be $644,000 less without these charges? Some uh, of these these charges include, like, Vancouver is probably the worst municipality in the country when it comes to getting a rezoning done, just getting a simple building permit done. Um, people have, have been waiting a year, two years for a building permit. Some, a, a couple who had, whose house burned down couldn't get a permit to, to rebuild their house. Uh, you're, talking, you're talking, so in Victoria, we're talking about a couple of years in some municipalities. That same uh, development application in, in, in a municipality like Langford can take just a few months to go through. So we're just talking about different municipal cultures. And really, that's what that report's all about. It's all about the, uh, and, and again, the Australian study with uh, triple or uh, double digit uh, increases uh, due to zoning restrictions. So that, those costs are associated with the challenge of doing business in that municipality. It's not just fees put on the project. Oh, so that's a calculation of yes. all the costs you're going to incur, the time you're going to yeah. wait, the, yes. the, the lost opportunity. Yeah, okay. Lost opportunity for a lack of density, those kinds of things. Yeah, okay, I, I, I get it. Still, it's eye-popping. Like, yeah, like 70, the Australian study, 73% in Sydney, 69% in Melbourne, 42% in Brisbane. I mean, you know, those are, uh, that's, that, that's, that's worse than the extra money that goes on your gas. Yeah, the gas yeah. pump. <laughs> I mean, that's just uh, that's that's wild. So, so I mean, and it, and, it, and it goes as you say to this whole question of, of affordability and, and and what you get to interestingly in the in, in the column is is uh, yeah this this point that you know rhetoric 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 about about affordability and, and, and the politicians you know would like to say that this is a, that this is a top priority um, and, and and maybe they believe it. But, but as far as having a as far as having an approach to, to get to it, you, you well you found it you found a, a, an interesting explanation for where the uh, for, for where affordable housing actually comes from. Maybe people don't don't understand from this uh, Evan Mass uh, uh, study that you looked at. Evan Mass is an economist, apparently. Uh, I just found out about him from reading. Um, and uh, and Evan Mass talks about. An ecosystem of migration change. 
Explain for us, Casey, what is an ecosystem of migration? Well, what he, what he talks about in that study is what they discovered was that uh, building, uh, building and selling homes at any price results in um, uh, people moving from a less expensive home into the more expensive home and, and creating uh, opportunity for uh, you know, uh, lower income families to move into those homes. And so there's this migration chain. What you're doing is you're just creating more supply. And that's the important thing. The important key here is that housing built for any demographic increases supply and increases affordability. And it's something that governments don't understand. Uh, and so they try to do it themselves, create affordable housing or build affordable housing. Um, and, and what Evan Mass points out is that they don't have the resources. I mean, you have to use the market to increase supply. And uh, we're seeing more and more governments really just trying to exert control um, over the market. I mean, so um, if, if government uh, basically tells us what we can build, where we can build it, how we can build it, um, uh, they control all aspects of the housing market. And uh, so at the end of the day, government is in control. So if anybody's, in, if anybody's responsible for um, the lack of affordability, it's government. And their theories haven't, but haven't worked. So, so now let the market, let supply, as Evan Mass points out, um, start to create affordability. But it's not going to happen if you have municipalities protecting 10,000, 15,000 square foot lots where a 100-year-old or 80-year-old home exists, uh, this virtually a knockdown, and where you could rezone that property and put four or five houses on it. And, um, but, but as long as they're going to protect uh, that kind of, so if you do a, if you do a, every municipality does an assessment or every province does an assessment of homes, uh, annual assessment of homes for tax purposes. Uh, residential taxes. And, uh, and what you'll find is that the lot is worth, so in this region, a million dollars, and the house is worth a hundred grand or less. That's the assessment. So what's the problem? The problem is a lack of rezoning. Right, right. So if you, if you, if you did less with the zoning, you did less with the interference, you, you, you lifted some of this red tape that we were talking about earlier, allowed the market at whatever level it supports it to, to, to ha let builders react to the market and, and, and build the housing within demand. It isn't a question of, well, now you're building all this expensive housing that no one, that, that no one can benefit from. Or that, or that doesn't help the people at the lower income threshold, because people will move out of the lower income housing, they will move into the more expensive housing, and you will create that supply without having without having to to, to use tax dollars to build affordable housing. That that's exactly right, and uh, and in fact, builders there are different builders building different product. You're not going to get all builders building luxury homes. We have builders out here building spec homes uh, on, uh, you know, three bedrooms, uh, you know, smaller units, 
and uh, on on very small lots out on the west shore where it's easier to do business and um and and that's their market they understand their market and they build built green uh more affordable housing and you you are going to get that product built depending on on um who the builder is and what their expertise is there are different builders that that have different expertise different markets different business models yeah absolutely and, and that but whenever you whenever you hear this affordable housing discussion it always uh it always seems to turn to the idea that well, we just need to build more of them. like like we just need to we just need to, to, to somehow get these horrible greedy builders to, to to turn away from from the big golden egg that they're, that they're chasing with these expensive clusters and just build more build more build more of the affordable housing but in fact there's another solution well, Amir, I said that, Amir said, uh, okay, see, the, the builders just want to build luxury homes. Yeah. So, you know, that's why we have to build. I said, Mayor, uh, she came from this municipality uh, where, you know, you've got, uh, you know, lots of a hectare or more. I said, Mayor, you can't build an affordable, you know, 1,800 square foot home on a hectare lot. The numbers don't work. Nobody's going to buy it. It's not marketable. It doesn't. Fit the business model. You have to uh, rezone that property. Uh, you know, smaller home, smaller affordable home on a smaller affordable lot. That's the way it works. Uh, she just didn't understand it. Yeah, well, it, it, it's so 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 many so many things like that for sure. Um, you mentioned as well in your in, in your column. Uh, it sounds like you've heard rumblings about the federal government wanting to do a new tax on primary residences. What's that all about? Yeah, that's 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 coming. I mean, CMHC asked the uh, UBC uh, to uh, uh, review the op the options for uh, leveling the playing field between renters and homeowners, and um, you know, uh, CMHC is interesting. They you know they were an organization that um, uh, promoted home ownership and um, they're in the insurance business, obviously. Uh, and, and they seem to be uh, more and more gravitating to almost discouraging home ownership. It's, it's strange. And uh, I don't know, you know, where they're getting their wealth. You know where they're getting the marching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, it, like I said, housing is politics, and so what we've got going on right now is the government um, is really shoveling money out the door uh, due to this pandemic, and uh, and they're they're going to have to recoup it. And where are they going to go? They're going to go to the old tried and true. Um, housing market and uh, yeah i expect there'll be a tax on the sale of homes primary homes wow. now they've yeah. denied it but they they said they were going to index the gst 35 years ago right. that never happened i mean you, you can't take anything politicians say at face value and in a, in a, in a tax on a primary home sale is the chilling effect would be enormous because there's, there's really few um Transactions. Well, obviously, it's the biggest transaction most people ever make in their lives, uh, and, and so there's there's few that are sort of responsive to incremental changes in price. You know what I mean? Like like you're, you're going to have a lot of people 
not not moving homes, not building homes. It's, 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 it's a recessionary pressure on the market uh, for housing, I would say, uh, yeah. to have a tax like that. A fairly, fairly strong one. There's always unintended consequences. Yeah. That always is. And, and but then you also have a, a, a political, I mean, the people who are in power now uh, view homeowners who, that, that took risk, bought a home, uh, paid off their mortgage. The view from many politicians is they're lottery winners. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that, that term has been used um, uh, by some of the researchers at, U, researchers at UBC. Uh, and, and so when you have people who, who um, view people who have worked hard all their lives going into retirement, finally own their own home and, and being called lottery winners, um, as a result of the uh, lack of supply being created by the municipalities, um, it's, uh, it's just a disingenuous uh, view. And, and just so, I mean, we have every uh, we have every millennial uh, uh, in the audience, uh, Casey, all, all three of them, um, throwing, throwing things at their <laughs> throwing throwing their devices through the window right now uh, sure. uh, because because they're mad that they can't afford uh, uh, housing uh, anywhere where they frankly want to live, uh, namely in the urban center. Um, but really, I, I guess that and and tell me tell me if you agree. I mean, I mean. The, the message here is not that there shouldn't be there shouldn't be affordable housing, not that there shouldn't be opportunities to rent. There should, uh, but but that that stuff doesn't really come from the measures that that have been proposed so far. I, I, I mean, it's it. I I almost conscious like it, it sounds like trickle down economics to say to say you know build the expensive stuff and the and the affordable stuff will follow. But I mean, actually, it's a pretty logical. There's no escaping the the, the logic of that, is it? Well, they did a study on it. Yeah. This is what they found. Yeah. So it's not my opinion. Yeah. All, all I do is the research. And, and, um, and the research often contradicts what politicians are saying. Because my experience with politicians, frankly, is they don't do any research. They take the advice of bureaucrats. And the bureaucrats are, are, are really just determining what the political wind is and moving in that direction. So, you know, I've, I've seen all kinds of junk research. One came out today from the CRD, um, uh, basically claiming that the cost of home ownership um, uh, in, in a community with one, uh, uh, where the average cost is $1.24 million uh, is, is the same as a community is $550,000. Um, and, and, of course, the only reason that would be uh, is because the people – in the $1.24 million community own their own homes because it's an older community and the people bought when the homes were 60 grand uh, 40 years ago or 50 years ago. Uh, so uh, the new community with much more new housing, the costs, uh, so they, they've come up with this bizarre report that to me is absolute junk. But the politicians will read it and go, oh, well, that's interesting. You know, so the transportation costs are, are so much. On, out of, so I'll give you an example of... Um, of, of how uh, uh, climate change advocates uh, in in, uh, in in core municipalities uh, they they uh, oppose new housing, and at the same time they talk about uh, how it's wrong to 
to buy out in, into the outer communities because all the GHGs and all the rest of it. Um, and, and, and the point is that they created it. By choking housing in the core municipalities and making it so difficult and expensive to, to rezone there, they created the, the, uh, the traffic uh, where people can, can uh, from which people can live and, and buy an affordable home. So a home out in the West Shore is over $200,000 less than a, than a core municipality. And yet we have these politicians in these core municipalities all complaining about uh, uh, people commuting um, from the West Shore and the yeah. GHGs. And they created it. I mean, so um, the hypocrisy is unbelievable. Yes, it 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 it, it is. It, it seems like there's no. It seems like there's no win. I mean, I mean, I remember, uh, well, twenty years ago, sprawl was bad. Sprawl was bad. Couldn't couldn't have any sprawl. And then and then yeah. Oh, the, the, the cities are the cities though are are are, are too expensive. Um, so what, what are your, what are your options? Well, you have to get out of the city, but like, it just, it, it, there doesn't seem to be a, it's a catch 22, whichever way, you, whichever way you slice it. Yeah. And, and, and the reality is that the, the, the communities in the outlying areas, um, uh, are, uh, at least in this region, uh, some of them are, um, are more efficient in terms of, uh, they create greater certainty when you, when you, uh, submit a development application. That doesn't mean that, that it's a guarantee your project's gonna get built, but they don't leave you hanging in limbo. They let, it's very clear that process is transparent. It's not transparent in the core municipalities. And, uh, and we talked earlier about how a municipality wants to charge a, uh, the, uh, was encouraged to designate uh, one of the homes of this, uh, this two lot build um, heritage and then and then tried to get the the builder to to pay for new servicing of the uh, replacing the servicing in the in the heritage hall um, that was not transparent at the outset the damage and, and that's that that's the damage that that, that kind of thing does it does choke off the whole housing it chokes off uh, uh, the builders being able to, to do the work that they that they know is it and, uh, and, and and you end up with an inefficient market because it's just people want it more. There's not much, uh, no other way around. Well, what's, what's it? Well, I, I, I've, re I've read on the climate change issue, I've read uh, a number of uh, municipal climate change initiatives and reports. And in none of these reports do they ever mention where most of the GHGs come from, which is China, United States. India, Russia, 60% uh, of the GHGs in the world. Canada accounts for 1.6%. Right, right. Well, it, right. if you're going to uh, initiate a climate change uh, program, that should be right at the start. This is where it's coming from. This is where we think we can benefit, but you'll never see those numbers because some of the stuff that they do will have such a negligible uh, impact, it will be so costly. Um, uh, that that it makes no sense to do, so they'd rather not talk about it. It has never made, yeah, it, is, it, it has never made a, a lot of sense to me. That, well, certainly that we should hurt ourselves uh, over the issue when, yes, 
Well, no, no, China and well, the United States, you know, we're, we're, we're not even registering on the, on the global scale. Well, well the, the, an example is uh, we have millions of homes in this country uh, with, let's say, 20 air changes per hour. You know, yeah, where, yeah. And, and, and municipalities will say, well, uh, 20% of, of, of GHGs come from housing or whatever. Well, yeah, the housing that was built um, back in the day um, that, that needs to be upgraded, retrofitted, um, but, new, but instead what they do is they focus on new housing and they reduce, a new, uh, they reduce the, uh, the uh, air changes from three to one or less than one while they ignore the 20 air changes per hour of most of their older housing stock. And, they, and then they claim to be making great advances in, in, in climate change. It's nonsense. It's, it's, it's politics. It, it, it's, uh, it, it's just an effort for them to, um, it's virtue uh, signaling is what it is. We, we, we were on, um, oh, I, I, had a, uh, I had another, uh, I had another podcast uh, a while back in one of my other markets with that commercial group and, uh, and talking about, um, you know, the coming uh, environmental product declaration and life cycle analysis uh, uh, stuff that's uh, popular in California. I believe California requires um, uh, publicly funded construction so you can those kinds of documents now. So, it, you know, the whole chain of custody from where all your building materials come from and what the embodied carbon was of, of everything yeah. that goes in so that you arrive at this number that's not just how efficient is your building? Well, that's one calculation, but uh, you know, how many GHGs have you produced just to, you know, just to make to make these materials? And uh, and it, 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 there there is a thinking shift going on in some of the climate change circles when they actually get looking at this stuff, uh, because it, it turns out that a lot of the um, a lot of the things that we thought were climate change fighting measures in construction, when you, when you add it all up, sometimes they're not. Uh, <laughs> Well, that, that when you're dealing with a global problem, yeah, like climate change, yeah. you have to look at it globally, and you have to look at those big picture issues. And and the, the, often what local politicians do is is say we're doing this, which all, which really isn't looking at it in a in a global perspective. Oh, that's a, yeah, that, that's exactly. Right. And and then at the same time, adding sixty thousand dollars or eighty thousand dollars to the cost of the home in some of the highest priced. Uh, markets in in the world. Yeah. Well, instead of fixing the world's problems, we should probably try to talk about something that we know about, uh, or at least that you know about. Uh, how's the uh, How's the local market there in BC? How are things going uh, in the pandemic? Are, uh, are 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 people eating? Are they sleeping in the streets? Are they driving new BMWs? What's what what are what are your members uh, What are your members up to these days? Well, one thing the BC government uh, did. Uh, very, very positive was uh, decided that uh, construction was an essential service. Mm. Now they didn't follow that route uh, in uh, in Quebec and and Ontario. I think had some limitations on that as well. We had a couple of weeks of uh, pretty much total shutdown, but otherwise right. it was very good. So and actually, BC um, has done very well with respect to uh, uh, managing the pandemic. Uh, so, so that was the right decision, and so our m members um, initially interrupted to some degree, and you have some supply chains, uh, labor issues, those kinds of things, but the members are continuing to build, 
and uh, and that's been uh, a real plus because the housing market is such a critical part of uh, of employment in this country and GDP. So uh, uh, we we've done okay in terms of uh, the the housing issue you'll find in uh, Vancouver and in Victoria they've opened up the parks uh, to uh, th there are real issues I don't know what's happening uh, back east but there are real housing issues um, in the in public spaces uh, with people setting up tents and um, and then there's been some crime associated with it and all these kinds of challenges um, there needs to be something done with respect well, here's an example. Example is not just housing. Housing's not going to solve all these problems. You have to have uh, support for mental health, and um, and one of the things uh, I looked into recently was uh, the Ministry of Mental Health. Their budget is 11 million dollars for the province. Uh, the premier's office, oh, sorry, uh, no, 10 million dollars. The premier's office is 11 million dollars. So the premier has a budget of 11 million dollars, and the and the entire Ministry of Mental Health has a budget of 10 million dollars. Uh, the reality is that, uh, yes, we are going to have um, uh, problems, uh, addiction, um, uh, housing, all of these problems will exist unless we take the mental health part of it seriously. Uh, it's not simply a housing issue, as much as the politicians would like to claim that it is. Yeah, and there's going to there's gonna have to be um, uh, big investments on the uh, senior care uh, side, obviously. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I imagine you must have had the same phenomenon out there, but certainly in Ontario, the biggest uh, the biggest problems were in the old folks homes uh, and and migrant workers uh, in the, the bunk houses that they stay in. Um, but the uh, the seniors the seniors places had the had the biggest outbreaks and uh, and, and the most deaths, obviously. And uh, I, I don't know, I I I think they're there. I've always said, you know. To, to everybody in the in the, in the construction business, got to look at that healthcare market. That you know that that, that that's not going anywhere, and it's and, it, and it's strong. I mean, as far as building long-term care homes and, and and hospitals and things like that, I I know that's where a bulk of the big contracts are coming from out here. You seen the same thing there? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the issue with the pandemic and the care homes. Um, I think what you'll find is wherever there's a crisis. Um, at the source is a government agency that failed to do its job. Yeah. I'm, I'm frankly a believer in that. So Australia did not have the same problem with the, the pandemic in their care homes, and CBC did a story on this, uh, because they, they go into the care homes, they actually inspect them, uh, they're held to a fairly high standard, and if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing, they'll shut you down. That hasn't happened. I, 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 part of that story, take a look at that story of what happened in Ontario. And the lack of inspection and enforcement oh. was unbelievable. And, and you know, it, it's not an issue of a public uh, uh, seniors uh, facility or a private. In Australia, they have private, but they just enforce their regulation. Yeah. And, and you know, if you look at, that's an example in, uh, in Canada of how the regulation, the, the agency didn't do its job. You've got, let's look at leaky condo. Every one of those condos was inspected by municipal inspectors and uh, and stamped uh, by engineers, but somehow it was the builders. Excuse me, but um, that what happened there in terms of the municipal inspections? Uh, 
the pandemic as an example. We have pandemic health officers. That's their expertise. That's what they do for a living. They study pandemics. Well, it's known that, that uh, we were apprised of the pandemic in January. Nothing happened until March after the National Basketball Association shut down its league. Then the pandemic experts decided, well, if the NBA is shut down, I guess we better do something too. Oh, yeah. So you have this, and here on the West Coast, we know a big earthquake is coming. We yeah. still don't have uh, uh, the government uh, doing some kind of a rebate or a tax credit to reinforce homes with anchor bolts and, and tie downs and all the rest, of it, which could prevent a huge uh, tragedy. So that's horrible, yeah, because that, yeah, that that that's needed. I mean, it's clearly needed. But as I say, you source a crisis, and this yeah. this country is so regulated, you will find some government agency that didn't do its job. Hmm. They should. That 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 must be something. Is, is that something you you've been you've been writing about from the association to the to the levels of government around there about about getting some kind of a rebate going for size? Yes. Upgrades, because yeah, that that's got to be uh, that has to be done. I mean, uh, because in these earthquakes, the only the, the thing that kills people is buildings falling off. Well, the, 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 actually, what what kill? Well, okay, so downtown you'll have uh, yes, uh, structures, older structures that collapse, and yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm in, thinking in of California, that scene in Mexico. In California, it was actually a, a uh, an apartment block. Um, that had underground parking that collapsed, and, and that killed people, and homes on hills. But, but generally, um, wood uh, stick frame homes, especially older homes with all the um, uh, uh, smaller rooms, uh, they will, uh, they will um, uh, uh, the earthquake will cause a lot of damage. It won't, it won't necessarily kill you, but you want to prevent damage as well. So all these homes don't have to be knocked down. So you need the anchor bolts. And, uh, but interestingly, a lot of the structures that killed people in California in the Northridge earthquake, um, those were all engineered structures. Oh. As I say, I mean. So they hadn't been, they hadn't been, they hadn't been. Uh, well, they were older structures and they just they hadn't been yeah. updated and. Yeah. And, you know, like uh, overpasses and, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, they, that's where often people get killed. But at the same time, you want to minimize the damage to your community on the homes. And, um, and uh, so a, a seismic upgrade, a rebate would uh, – and then these, these rebates actually have other benefits, meaning that uh, uh, homeowners want to get uh, receipts for the work in order to qualify for the rebate. And so the underground economy – uh, is is dissuaded somewhat as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What do you, um, what's being done out there? Uh, and, and this is almost a side uh, a side interest of mine. What's being done out there on uh, on on windows? Have they have they? Is there any kind of a rebate available in BC for uh, uh, window upgrades that you're aware of? Yeah, they they just initiated last year a uh, a rebate uh, for energy efficiency. Uh, upgrades um the the thing about uh we we have a speaker in the window industry who's really uh up to date on the whole window side of things and how uh you know 
people insist on triple pain and all the rest of it. And there's not necessarily that much benefit to it um, and, uh, versus double pain. And uh, you really have to know uh, the, your house design, which way uh, the house is facing. Um, actually, with the whole passive home side of things, there is a, an issue of overheating. And that, that came up with the Canadian Commission of Building Fire Codes. And they, they've come up with that a list of things, radon being one, uh, overheating being another. If you're trying to save energy, do you need air conditioning in your home? And how does that counter the whole concept of, of using less energy? Um, so there are a number of issues. These are the unintended consequences of changing the code. And, and I've always said, the point of a code is, is basic health and safety. It's not to build the cheapest structure. It's, it's basic health and safety and avoiding unintended consequences. It's protection of the consumer. I know a lot of energy efficiency uh, advocates uh, call it the minimum standard. Well, no, it, it's a basic standard for health and safety until we can prove otherwise. And affordability should be um, uh, uh, part of that as well. But that's been tossed out the window now. And what's happened is the code has become politicized. And yes, we know where that's coming from uh, because it's not about health and safety as much anymore as it is about um, achieving uh, political goals, whether it's, you know, building passive homes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it, it's absolutely more from, it's absolutely more from a health and safety concern to, to an energy efficiency concern, at least in the, in the, in the last, the last few rounds. I mean, that's, that's essentially all they're, you know, all they're really doing that structural, nothing, nothing much of a so if they're going to go down that road, then come up with the real costs of building energy efficient homes, not not the bogus stuff that we're reading, because our uh, our uh, one of our builders, uh, who's a built green builder, just did a, a recent uh, analysis, um, real cost of building a, a step three home. Um, there's five steps in the BC building right, code, the BC code. Uh, which is voluntary, by the way, in the sense that it's not voluntary for the builder, it's voluntary for the municipality. Well, that's a whole other. Anyway, the costs are the estimated costs were three thousand um, dollars by the government, and then our builders' cost is twenty eight thousand dollars. So, so this is what we're seeing: numbers being lowballed by governments to pursue a political agenda, and it's nonsense. And um, but unfortunately, that's 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 part of the environment we're in now. Are are you are you seeing your municipalities, Aaron? I mean, you know. BC is a little bit famous for the for the patchwork of how everybody can set uh, uh, different uh, their different code standards all, all around the province. Uh, a little bit different than most. Of it. I mean, they can do it in Ontario, but the municipalities never bother. They just do whatever the, whatever the, the province does the most. Um, but uh, you know, BC comes up with a step code to try to harmonize the environmental regulations. But they put five steps in it, and, and anybody can pick whatever whatever they want. <laughs> are, are you are you seeing most municipalities coming in at the same step, or are or are, are places all over the place? So actually, interestingly, uh, there's been about forty municipalities out of 160 that have embraced the step code. Oh, in fact, the step code's actually been a big failure in British Columbia. There, no, some no. of the some of the municipalities, like Vancouver, which is always the uh, most costly, you know. Uh, Victoria Senators, they have bought into the step code. Um, but uh, a number of the, the, the municipality uh, that uh, is leading in, in new home construction 
took our advice, Langford, and decided, no, we're going to wait for the National Building Code to come out. So when you talk about harmony, BC signed an agreement with the, with the feds to harmonize their code with the feds. And then they did a complete end run and came out with a BC step code. Um, so, so there's no harmony there. There is some uniformity after a lot of our advocacy. There, was a lot of, there is some uniformity in the building codes now. Um, interpretation of the building code is a different thing. Right. Uh, and then they came out with the BC step code, claimed they had uniformity in the province, and then came out with a step code where you're right. You'll have step one, step two, step three, whatever. You have municipalities. They call it a step code. That, that, um, uh, that, that fools the people into thinking that you go step by step. No, there are municipalities that have launched right into step three, avoiding step one altogether. Yeah. So it, it's actually a leak code. The whole thing is, to me, it's a sham. And, and they did not do their proper research. The radon issue with uh, more energy efficient uh, buildings, which uh, they did a study in Calgary saying uh, more energy efficient buildings have higher levels of radon. Um, the government uh, has not, did not explore that at all because they did do an end run on the national building code that's exploring it now. Um, it's so if there are unintended consequences uh, to this uh, as a result of the work that we've done it'll be the municipalities that are wearing it and the BC government Casey you're a good man and you've got a lot of good things to say uh, uh, <laughs> I enjoy it we, we, we have we, we have to we have to step into radon next time uh, but we're uh, we're up against it now we've been at it for an hour and that's uh, that's probably all anybody can stand Probably, and we were supposed we were supposed to talk about radon. That yeah, was, I know we were gonna. No, I'm leaving that. I'm 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 leaving that dangling out there as a as a, yeah. as a treat for 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 next time. We're gonna we're gonna discuss all things radioactive soil deposits. Well, which is that which is a, a a big issue in the interior in BC and in Ontario as well. And yeah, it is. So that yeah, is. Sure. But uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat and. Uh, uh, housing is a, a hell of an interesting uh, topic, and uh, there's no shortage of issues to, to chat about. Casey, we're going to have you back real soon. Thanks a lot for joining us. Pleasure, Patrick. All nice right. chat. Take care. Okay. Thanks for listening to The Hammer. You can find episodes online at CanadianContractor.com or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. The Hammer is presented by Canadian Contractor Magazine. Contractor Magazine.